Welcome to Medicus the Podcast, the show where we shine a light on the people behind the science shaping our future. And in this episode, I'm meeting two scientists to go, well, fishing. But instead of heading out to sea to cast their lines in the hope of catching a barramundi or maybe a grouper, I find myself standing in the lab, watching them fish for genetic information using magnetic beads and sequencing machines, extracting the protective caps that sit at the ends of each of our chromosomes. It's been about 40 years since scientists first discovered that our chromosomes are protected by telomeres, caps made up of a unique string of building blocks called nucleotides that are defined by repeated runs of the sequence TTAGGG. These repeats, much like the plastic caps at the end of shoelaces, make sure that our genetic assembly instructions don't unravel as our cells replicate. And today we know that these caps not only hold us together at the genetic seams, but that they erode with time and therefore play a vital role in aging. Their length an indication of just how many times our cells have replicated and by extension, how old we are biologically. Now today, if we want to find out, we can buy any one of a number of kits that are out there that offer to reveal our true biological age based on the average length of these caps. But what the two genetic fishermen I'm about to meet have discovered is that the domino effects of old age are not triggered by the average dropping below a certain threshold, but by the shortest telomere of them all. So let's meet these unusual fishermen to find out more about their discovery and what it means for us. My name is Shang Li. I'm an associate professor at the Kansas Stem Cell Biology at Duke NUS Medical School. Hi, I'm Jay Vierko. So I'm the research fellow in associate professor Li Shang's lab. So my background in training is uh, exotic animals, bats and cancer. Now that does sound exotic, but bats and human longevity are two topics that aren't that far away from each other after all, right? Long-lived mammals, telomere correlates very well with them. It's not too far, but the association will come in slowly and closer once we touch the human section. Nice to meet you both. Tell me first though, how did you get started on this expedition to fish for telomeres? So I was trained uh, as a medical doctor in Beijing Medical University. Back then, in the actual uh, hospital we know, uh, for a lot of patients, for example cancer patients, nothing much we can do about it. So since then, we under, I understand that we need to actually have some breakthrough in research in order to be able to bring new actual therapeutic to the patient. And that's why after my finished my medical school training, I actually went to the U.S. to get a Ph.D. And you had the privilege of working with Elizabeth Blackburn, who in 2009 received the Nobel Prize, along with Carol Greider and Jack Zostak, for the discovery of how chromosomes are protected by telomeres and the enzyme telomerase. And working in her lab, you became fascinated by telomeres. And I, yeah, truly it's my privilege to be able to train in her lab. Mm -hmm. I have all the joys doing research there. Mm -hmm. So the reason I choose telomere is uh, because I think uh, telomere biology uh, have a dual function in cancer as well as aging. And that's something very fascinating. And not only that, telomere biology compared to uh, other actual pathways in our body probably is simpler. Mm -hmm. So for example, take cancer for example, cancer mutation, so many of them. 
right? But uh, all the cancer need to be able to uh, maintain their tumor lens in order to proliferate. And just as they play a key role in all cancers, telomere length is a universal factor in the aging process. Telomere probably is one of the simplest in the sense that the single actually telomere lens that controls cell proliferation capacity. And that is basically a molecular biology clock set how much cell can proliferate. Okay, and we inherit this biological clock, or perhaps we need to think of it more as the sand in our lifetime glass, so to speak, from our parents? Exactly. Our inherited telomere at the birth is about 12 to 14 kb. And uh, because of most human somatic cells don't have a way to maintain their telomere length, so every time somatic cells divide, the chromosome end will lose about 50 to 200 nucleotides of the telomere. And because we have a set point at the start, so this will determine how much the actual somatic cell can divide. But all cells tick to their own talk or clock. So cells that need to be replenished frequently, like blood stem cells, replicate fast, but lose only a few building blocks with each replication, so that they lose maybe 30 blocks over a whole year. While cells like fibroblasts, a kind of scaffolding cell in our body, lose between 50 to 200 building blocks each time they divide. But whether fast or slow, eventually our cells run out of time and can no longer divide, becoming what scientists call senescent. So senescent cells essentially can't regenerate, they can't reproduce anymore. And these non-reproducing cells, what do they do? Does our body have a way of disposing of them? There's, there's usually not one chunk of them appearing at a go. It could be just one in maybe 10 to 1,000 to 200,000 cells that appear once an essence. Okay. So it's not as easy to eliminate, but they will be detrimental over time if you leave them hanging around for too long. And the one of the reasons for that is because in essence, cell can secrete a certain kind of cytokine. And the low cytokine potentially will result in chronic inflammation, also promote actual tumor formation in a sense. And there are many efforts underway to see how these cells can be flushed out. In the animal study, actually, if you were able to actually eliminate the senescent cell, actually will make the mouse live much better and healthier. So that may one day become a possibility. But why not just make these cells young again by activating its inherent but dormant ability to regenerate telomeres by reactivating the telomerase? Telomerase activity, you can consider is uh, two sides of the same coin. Okay, so the hypothesis uh, in humans is that we need to have a short telomere and the uh, silencing of telomerase in our somatic cell. The reason for that is to try to actually set up a checkpoint to prevent tumor genesis. And of course, the price we pay is aging. And this is a balance. Yeah. So too much is not good, too little is not good either. And you discovered that the terminal kind of aging that leads to a biological breakdown of our body's function can be triggered by just a few telomeres becoming too short. But using an average reading then could really mask a quite serious loss. Yeah, that's exactly the point our technology is about. So it turned out you don't need all the teeny chromosome end to be short to trigger a detrimental effect. You only need a few chromosomes and to be problematic, which is short, to be actually detrimental. 
So this actually TNMAP shortening mainly is because of uh, DNA replication and replication problem as well as the nuclear nucleotide the actual processing. So how much each chromosome and lose their TNMAP probes uh, random. So some of them may be a little bit longer, some may be shorter, maybe 20, uh, some may be 50. And uh, you can see this is a very stochastic event. Mm. And that's why eventually when TNMAP is very short, maybe random chromosome end will be um, uh, become broken. And that's where it actually triggered the DNA damage response. So our technology was able to actually identify uh, the actual length of every single tinamia at the nucleotide resolution. So our technology is capable of identifying potential chromosome N that's unique in each person, which is at the risk. And that is something that was not possible before, because the annual attrition that needs to be tracked is really very small. We're talking 20 to 50 building blocks. So it really needs a technology that allows for block-by-block -block counting of each telomere. And that's what you've developed. Can you tell me a bit more? So we designed a tidal bay. Mm -hmm. It's like fishing. We try to actually fish out all the telomere containing genomic DNA from a pool of uh, all genomic DNA. Once the telomere sequences are baited, extracted and processed, you line them up to count each block to come up with an exact reading. So does that mean you can predict the likely biological cause of death before it happens? It could be, but at this moment I think we need a larger statistic data set to make that correlation. But generally, in a laboratory setting, the, shorter, the, the faster the telomere shortens, and the shortest one will eventually decide what happens to the cell. So if you put it in relation to an organism level, it probably uh, results in an uh, earlier malfunction of the one part of the body. But when measuring anyone's telomeres, inevitably some telomeres will be the shortest. So when does short become too short? Very good question. We don't know that yet. Okay, so based on previous uh, actually single telomere measurement method, they can identify telomere as short as three to four hundred nucleotide long. But, and we know from our sequencing data, we have a variant sequence at the telomere. So exactly that 400 nucleotide, how many actually chronic telomere repeat, there is, we don't know. And if there are not enough of these TTA, GGG repeats, then the telomeres can no longer function properly. So it is not just the simple length that's left, but the integrity of the remaining stretch that is important to generate the full protective effect. That makes me both highly intrigued and absolutely terrified about finding out how short my shortest telomeres are. But if I did find out, can I do anything about the rate of shortening? Or is it all preset by the length that I've inherited from my parents? We know lifestyle and the life stress do play a role in telomere attrition rate in humans. So for example, people with obesity, with chronic stress, their telomere shortening faster. So those are the factors that speed up the rate of attrition. Can I take steps to slow it back down again? Um, if you exercise more, your body is maintaining its function. The telomere shortening do get reduced compared to somebody who is just living a free lifestyle. So there's no silver bullet to delay the effects of aging. It all still comes down to a healthy lifestyle and exercise.
Given that there is huge interest in rejuvenation and wellness, how do you hope then your research will be used? And are you champions of immortality? I won't go that far, but uh, we hope we can achieve the, uh, to devise a new strategy or intervention to promote healthy longevity. So that is not necessarily to let people live longer chronologically, but to live healthier for longer. Exactly. So for example, exercise potential will be a good thing. But because the heterogeneity in genetics, right, in our body, so we don't really know how much exercise will be suitable for each person. And that's why the clinical trial is uh, important. And you're already working on a clinical trial with your collaborator from the National Heart Centre Singapore, Dr. Angela Ko. Can you tell me a bit more about the study? One, one thing actually uh, very interesting is that they also recruiting patients. Mm -hmm. They will provide them with uh, breakfast, lunch and dinner mm -hmm. as uh, a diet control, mm -hmm. as well as uh, moderate uh, actual exercise. We hope through this kind of clinical trial, we will be able to identify marker, for example, uh, blood marker. They can actually predict slower telematrition in the patient. And with such knowledge at your fingertips, I have to ask, do you want to know the length of your telomeres? Yeah, uh, why not? Yeah, why not, right? Yeah. Essentially, when you, once you know your telomere, you can kind of adjust your lifestyle mm. a bit. What, mm. what is the most biggest problem right now for our society is that healthcare is getting expensive, right? So you want to maintain a healthier lifestyle. Mm. So for the younger ones, they do the exercise more, they try to change the diet a bit. The main thing is to keep yourself financially stable. Mm. You don't have to rely so much on the medical bill. Mm. So if telomere is the right way to decide the right lifestyle, then perhaps this information is highly valuable to everyone. You don't necessarily live longer, but you definitely live healthier. Mm. So, have you measured them yet? Uh, I haven't measured my own telomere length and telomeres yet. Mm. Uh, we are trying yet. to do. <laughs> <coughs> because ethically, we cannot do that. But applying this on a large scale seems labor-intensive and costly. So how do you hope to translate this discovery into something that can be used widely in clinics or even by people at home. So if we can actually, uh, actually create uh, a diagnosis marker, for example, using your blood, mm -hmm. or using digital device, monitor your lifestyle, that we can actually predict what kind of lifestyle will be beneficial for each person to slow down that telematrician. That's what we want to do. I guess we still have to wait a wee while before such a marker becomes available to help us monitor our biological age and urge us into action before it's too late. Until then, all I can do is try my best to stay disciplined and healthy, even if I don't know how close I am to disaster. That's it for this show. If you've enjoyed this episode, let us know in the comments. And you might also like our episode on dying a good death, where we talk to palliative care experts and medical students to find out how we can make space for death among the living. And if you're curious about the latest scientific breakthroughs and trends and how they shape our lives, check out our magazine, Medicus, at www.duke-nus.edu.sg forward slash Medicus. And of course, hit subscribe to never miss an episode. Thanks to our guests, Li Shang and Javier Ko. This podcast was produced and hosted by Nicole Lim for Medicus, a Duke NUS publication.